listening to Coptic Girl Podcast, a series of dialogue between a young Coptic female and members of the Coptic Orthodox community, as we use our apostolic faith and teachings to aid the challenges of youth and young adults. I'm Lucy, and I'm your host, and today I am joined by a very special guest. How are you doing, Laura? I'm doing great, Lucy. How are you? I'm doing excellent myself. Thank you for being here and taking time out of your busy day to be with us. No, I'm so excited to speak with you and with all the listeners of Coptic Girl Podcast. Awesome. Well, for those of you that don't know, Laura is the owner of the blog called Coptic Dad and Mom, which is also a store. She also is a teacher and one of the most phenomenal Tassonis, even though Tassonis don't like being called Tassonis, I've ever gotten to see on social media and finally meet in person. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I was born in Egypt and I came from the U.S. when I was six and a half. I, since that time, spent most of my childhood and adult life in, uh, in Virginia. And at one point, Abuna got a phone call in the middle of the night calling him to the priesthood. And we were whisked away to Florida, where we've started a new life here in Jacksonville, serving the congregation of St. Damiana. Amazing story. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I've, I've, we heard a lot about your congregation and how your church is facing a lot of tribulation. Do you want to share a little bit with us about that? Yeah, so uh, last September, we had a wonderful church service on a Sunday. We had liturgy and Sunday school and hung out afterwards. And, you know, COVID's been tough on all, all congregations and all different <laughs> states in different ways, right? Mm. Uh, and so we had, you know, we were just getting back into the swing of things looking like, you know, people were vaccinated, things were going better, maybe we'd get back to normal. Um, when, you know, we left church that day, everything was fine. And we got a call in the middle of the night saying that the church actually had burned down or what it was on fire at the time. Wow. And by morning, it was clear that it was a total loss that we had lost the entire building with everything in it. Um, which was a lot to, to process, actually, because it's, there's a lot that goes into a church, you know, if you think about it, um, you don't really realize how much is inside the church. The church is more than the building. So, um, so it was, it was a very tough, um, it was a shock for us for sure. And then, uh, you know, I, it was amazing that that very Wednesday, so two days later, um, one of our bishops, Amba Basil came to Jacksonville bearing gifts. His trunk was full of all of these altar vessels donated by priests from Florida, um, the, the extras from their churches, extra shoria, extra, you know, or bond basket, you know, all kinds of stuff. It was wow, wow. <laughs> Christmas in September. <laughs> in Florida. Wow. Florida. That's and so shocking, like somehow, um, since that day, that Wednesday after the fire, we've been praying three or four liturgies every week um, in various wow. rented places. A lot of people, a lot of other churches and were generous with us and allowed us to use their space. Uh, thank God. That definitely is a blessing. Well, God is good. At, you've definitely showed us that and you showed us a lot of hope, which is the subject of our talk today. We are talking about hope in tribulation. So I guess if I would to start with any question, it would be, how, how would you describe hope to anyone? So my default is obviously English teacher, which is what I, what I'm trained in and what I do. And of course, when you ask me, what is hope? I say, hope is the thing with feathers, which is an Emily Dickinson poem. <laughs> but what I love about that poem is that, um, 
you know, as she just, she's describing hope as a bird. And at the end of the poem, the, the last line explains that hope is something that doesn't ask for anything back. It's free. It doesn't cost anything to have hope. And I think that's one of the de defining features of hope is that it's, um, it's a, a wellspring inside that doesn't, that doesn't drag down, that actually feeds us and helps us and encourages us. Interesting. So what's the name of that poem again? I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to read it sometime. Hope is the thing with feathers. It doesn't really have a name. That's the first line. Hope, Hope is, is the thing, thing with feathers. Interesting. I, I've never heard of that, but now that you've told me about it, it sounds interesting. It's a so, beautiful little poem, not very long at all. Very, very easy to understand. Uh, especially when you have hope when you or when you need it you read that poem and you understand having hope so how do i have hope if if i am if i'm encountering incredible tribulation as obviously your your congregation um, impact was impacted by this fire and is and had to deal with tribulation how how do you maintain that hope how do you have that you know that spirit of you know god is still good there is still hope on the other side how, how do you do that so I think what we have to remember about our relationship with God is that it's like any other relationship it requires a lot of trust. And the way to have hope in big situations like a fire is to practice having hope in little situations. Okay. So, you know, when, when you're making a new friend, um, you don't trust them with all of your deepest, darkest secrets right away, right? Like you're, you start out just by like, having a coffee and seeing how they react when you order your special drink. Like, do they make fun of you? Are they sweet about it? You know, they make fun of me not drinking caffeinated coffee. I don't, I don't drink caffeinated coffee. I have to get my coffee decaf. No, I think that's brilliant. I, I didn't have any caffeine until maybe after my second child. And even then I, I don't really drink coffee. So I'm with you hundred <laughs> percent. This is why we're friends already. See? <laughs> No, everybody has to make fun of the fact that I don't drink caffeine. And I'm just like, you know, I, you, I'm naturally energetic. Yeah, you just leave me be. Yeah, exactly. I don't need any stimulants. I'm good. Nicely. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that that's sort of where it starts. It starts with looking for teeny tiny examples and pockets of hope in your day. You know, one of my favorite things to do, uh, especially when I was younger. No, who am I kidding? Even now is to look for things that are, that give me hope. Uh, you know, I, I kind of like to call them like good omens throughout the day, you know, and like just noticing God's blessings throughout the day and the little things. Um, and I think that that's sort of where it starts. If you start out by looking for God's hand and the little things and having hope in the little things, when the big things happen, you've already had these built up experiences, built up trust where, you know, it's going to be okay. Like what's the worst that could really happen, you know? Right. Absolutely. Wow. That's amazing. So not only am I not getting made fun of for not drinking caffeine, but you are giving me that, that boost. I need to find little hope throughout the day. What, what's, what's a little hope that you've had today? Any, any story that you can tell me today? From today specifically. From wow. Today. Um, Counting our it's been a fun day. I, I'm trying to think back because I, I, on days where I teach, it's just been like a lot, like, it feels like I've had three days already. Oh, I I know, it just even the weather I'm very I'm the kind of person who's very affected by a beautiful sunny day that was definitely what today was <laughs> so a beautiful sunny day so that brings you hope that's that's amazing to see because I feel like especially in the pandemic you know for high schoolers and you know young adults especially high schoolers and college especially in the pandemic that perception of hope 
I feel like was really negatively impacted. So what what would you say, you know, are ways to overcome that that negative impact that the pandemic has had on our perception of hope? Well, I think that's one of the things that we all, especially in the early months of the pandemic that we kind of got wrong. Um, we were so focused on trying to protect each other that we forgot that there were spaces that were safe that we could be that would give us hope. So let me let me give you an example. We could we could go out to a park where everyone is already socially distant. And we're all breathing fresh air. You know, we could sit in our own backyards or our front porches, get some fresh air. And I th- I had a friend who's um, a, a pharmacist and a nutritionist, and she was saying very early on that. You know, some of the things that boost just your vitamin C and your immune system are fresh air and sunshine, taking a walk, getting your blood flow. And I noticed that in the first few months of the pandemic, I was very shy to do that. We were all very nervous to leave the house at all. And a lot of us spent way too much time inside in front of Netflix or whatever video game we were playing, right? Select, of course. Uh, right, all <laughs> in all kinds of languages. I discovered all kinds of soap operas. <laughs> yes, me too. Yes. So I feel like we've we kind of missed that, and I and that's something that I really recommend that we um, start doing more often: finding ways or pockets that we can get fresh air, get sunshine, get interactions with people, um, that it doesn't have to break any kind of rules or any kind of guidelines. Thank right. God, I think we're, we're kind of past some of that. I don't know. Every time I think we're past it, something happens. So <laughs> yep. Yep. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to say anything, but right, right. just kind of figuring out, you know, even finding places where you can sit across from someone far enough, you know, if needed, far enough away where you can both not be wearing a mask, just seeing people smile. Man, we missed that in the first few months, way more than we realized. We did not know it would have such an impact on mental health. And I think that there are a lot of studies coming out about the effect on the mental health, especially like you were saying of teens and youth of being so isolated for so long. Absolutely, right. Well, besides the fact that you have a beautiful smile, you know, (laughs) I really think that you definitely touched on something that you brought into light, something that I really like, I think a lot of us have dealt with, and that's that whole issue of mental health and falling into despair. I read once in um, the Screwtape Letters by by C.S. Lewis, I'm sure you've heard of it, how the the number one way, you know, to get people to lose their faith or lose their sense of hope is by bringing them despair. So how do we not fall into this loophole that, that is despair? One of the ways that I've found to really counteract despair and, and the thing that really works, I mean, if you want to cure your despair is to look less at ourselves and look more at other people. You know, the more you feel despair, find someone else to serve or to look at or to focus on or to pay attention to or to love on, right? The, the more you stop thinking about your own inner turmoil, the less um the devil can make a playground of it really that that's a very wise and practical tactic can I quote you on that of course (laughs) thank you for that well I definitely I definitely see that because I feel that one of the things that it's easy to fall into especially you know nowadays is this concept of false hope you know hoping for the for lack of better words hoping for the wrong things you know it's either it's in between you know it's either despair or you know hoping for the wrong things can can you hope for the wrong things and if you are 
what's, you know, what are the practical tips to overcome that for, you know, high schoolers such as myself or even, you know, college students and young adults? So I, you know, I think one of the things about hoping for the wrong thing is that sometimes we, we can beat ourselves up for hoping for the wrong thing, but it, it might, that's a time when maybe mindfulness is helpful in looking underneath that surface hope. So I, and I don't want to, I wish like if you have a specific example, I will give a specific example, but like, for example, you can hope that a certain boy likes you. Okay. And maybe that is not <laughs> God's plan. <laughs> but is he a front row deacon is the question. <laughs> Even a front row deacon don't buy in. <laughs> I, I've learned my lessons. Trust me. But the thing is that underneath that surface hope that might be a false hope or might be the wrong thing to hope for or whatever underneath is something else there's something deeper than that you know there is a a desire to love and be loved let's say and that is not a bad hope do you see what i'm saying yeah, like we have real needs and the the surface thing might be wrong maybe we're asking for a quick so solution or asking for things to be solved the way we want but there is underneath it something good and if we spent more time sitting with ourselves and recognizing that if we prayed for what's underneath that underneath hope I think we would see a lot more a lot less despair right I definitely agree with that you know uh right now for example I'm waiting for college responses and I'm like god please please get me into UCLA or get me into like Stanford or whatever you know this amazing college is but I think for me underlying it's and especially for everyone it's whether you're looking for you know a new college or a new job regardless of what it is it's your underlying feeling of wanting to feel like you belong you know I, I definitely that's at least from my perspective I'm sure you can agree with that so you know this sense of belonging I, I think I've realized and I think a lot of us have realized that that belonging only comes with realizing that God has a plan for you and I think that is an integral part of hope so how do we how do we absorb that how is there any possible way that we can have that dependency of God and that understanding that he has a plan for us regardless. So I think that little phrase "Thy will be done is very useful. You know, when we pray our prayer and we say, I want to get into this particular school. If we underneath it say "Thy will be done, God, you know what I really want. You know, like you already know my heart. That takes a lot of um, pressure off. And it, it really it makes it a lot easier to accept the response of God, whatever it happens to be. Uh, because I've never seen God not answer the underlying prayer. He might not answer the surface prayer, but the underlying prayer, he always gives you a yes somehow. So I think that that's really the, that's one of those tricks to just to practice saying thy will be done and practice meaning it. Mm -hmm. um, it I think it makes a big difference. Absolutely. So not just rambling in our father, but actually focusing on that. That really, I think that impacts a lot of people. Thank you for telling me that. And thank you for th sharing that with us. You know, that's really, I think it's important. And so when, when I look back, you know, just regular praying in church, you know, I'm just, I'm just standing and, and I'm praying in church and I go every week, you know, how do I not get bored of that? Because I feel like it, it, an integral part of thing when you're looking at hope is, refreshment you know making sure that it's not the same continual process over and over again and I feel like a lot of people especially when we look at you know church tradition and whatnot can feel really overwhelmed with the not that the tediousness but the overlappingness of it for lack of better words so is there any way we can find that that sense of hope 
without getting bored? Hmm. Well, I have a couple of responses to that. Okay. So, so the first thing is as I get older, mm-hmm. just I realize how much the liturgy is set up and our prayers are set up to meet each person at their particular stage. And so there are parts that when you're young, don't make sense. They're like, ugh, like, why are we saying this again? And then right. you get, hmm? Why are we saying meat in the middle, meat and right in the middle of the liturgy? I'm already hungry, you know, we don't need <laughs> to bring it up again. Yeah, but then you get to an age where you've had that experience and you're like, oh, that's why that's in there. You know, and I think that that's, that's something that I certainly didn't realize until, you know, I, I went through those experiences myself, that there are things in the liturgy that we think, oh, well, we should skip this, or we don't need that this week, but then you're like going through something and that becomes your lifeline. Uh, so I think that that's, that's one thing. The other thing is that boredom is good. Uh, that's where I'm going to go. Like boredom is a good thing. We are not bored enough in our lives today. Whatever TV show you want, you can get it immediately. If you're okay. bored, you have constant entertainment at your fingertips, but really, really the few hours we have in liturgy, you know, if we're not secretly texting someone or whatever, those hours, right. right. When we're actually bored, that's where the Holy spirit works. Like that's even if you're, even if you are feeling bored, that sense of detachment from the world is the thing that your soul desperately needs and cannot get in the, in society today. So would you say that detachment from the world, for lack of better words, is a means by which we can acquire this hope? For sure. I was just reading um, an Instagram post, actually, about how it was a picture of a very boring living room. And the caption underneath was, um, it was something like, this is the living room you were happy with before you discovered Pinterest. Like this is the, this is the outfit that you thought was so cute on you before you stumbled onto that Instagram account where she's dressed all different and cute, you know, or whatever. So the idea is that we are the idea of being content, like contentment is, is kind of one of the sources of hope, recognizing where you are being present and being content. And so, yeah, I would say that if you're too connected to the world, if you're not detached enough from what the 1000 different things society asks you to do, then then yes, that does lead to despair because you can never complete all of those tasks and be that imaginary person times 10, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I I definitely agree with you. Contentment is integral to happiness, but I'm going to ask like a little bit of a trick question. If I see you know, this is, we've talked about a lot, a lot about, you know, having hope in oneself. If I see a brother or sister, you know, either, you know, inside my church, at church, one of, someone that I've grown up with, and I see them, you know, falling into this loophole of despair and just not being content with the life and the blessings that they're given. And they just, they don't seem to have that hope. And I think, unfortunately, you know, now that is definitely a huge issue. How do I, how do I make them hopeful for lack of better words? How do I make them find that? you know, that jubilation and that joy, what, what do I do? Well, I think you actually mentioned that feeling of belonging that everyone is looking for. You know, you'd be surprised how much, you know, going out for smoothies or something, uh, inviting them to a group event, hanging out together, uh, movie night at your house. You'd be surprised how much just like getting out again, getting out of one's own shell. We've just, 
we've we had this like generation where everyone didn't think about themselves at all and like mm -hmm. didn't know how to be introspective didn't know how to um, be mindful right mindfulness was a very it's a very big thing mm -hmm. buzzword now we're like so mindful to the point that we're self-obsessed and we're oh, kind yeah. of veering the other way oh yeah so i think just bringing the needle back like bringing back the concept of community okay. really makes a difference for people just getting out of whatever they're in really is is a big is a catalyst to to better overall um, mental health absolutely you know community i think especially you know in our church is one of the most integral things because that's how that's that's kononia that's how we build the, the family that we all need and so i think that a lot of us really rely on the bible for that sense of hope and also for finding our community what what specific verses tell share with me some verses that i can you know if i'm just really not feeling it today what verses do you think will really help me get that hope that i need the thing is we all know all the verses that are um right. you know like i know the thoughts i have towards you you know uh for god so loved the world we know all of the um I don't want to say cliche Instagram verses. Bias. You can't say that about the Bible, but you know, you know all the typical Bible verses. But right. um, you know, I this is so funny. I'm I am one of those people who likes the idea of like opening your Bible to a random page and reading. Yeah, reading the message God has for you. And I, you know, we were on Sunday, sorry, on Monday, this past Monday, mm -hmm. we were uh, signing, we were closing on a new property for our church mm. and we were really stressed out about it. It was a stressful day. It was a big move. It's not every day you sign a contract for millions of dollars, you know? Right. And I just, I did that thing where I like, it was like, God send me something. So this is what God sent me. He said, the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace says the Lord of hosts. I mean, just right. talk to God, like just ask him, he will give you the right, like I would not even know to look that verse up. I would not even have thought of that verse. What that verse moment. is that? Is that in the Old Testament? It is Old Testament. It is, oh, I actually did not say the, the thing, but it's verse nine. Give me a second, I'll Google it for you. The glory of this latter temple. The glory of this latter temple. Wow, well that directly. Here we go, it's Haggai. Haggai chapter two, verse nine. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former. Excellent. So well, I, all I'm saying is the Bible's full of them and the right one at the right time, just go ask him and go look, you'll find it. Okay. Haggai 2.9. That's definitely, I am going to write that and put it on my wall now. <laughs> it's a great verse to know. You well, know, the other verse that I really like live my life by, tell me. but my, my translation in my head is not, doesn't really go with any of the translations. You know, it's like, I, I took a bunch of different translations and meshed them together. But it's the horse is made ready for war, but victory is with the Lord. Proverbs, no, I don't know the reference. Proverbs something. Yes. I'm, I'm not good with numbers. I'm the English teacher. <laughs> you know, I should be good with numbers because I hope to go into pre-med. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> well, yeah, doctors don't need numbers. <laughs> You're good. You're good. I've always said that. It's okay. <laughs> Definitely. Well, the idea that you do your part and you relax. You do what God asked you to do this day and you relax. And that will give you a lot of hope because he's got the victory part under control. 
you, you know what? That reminds me. Every day, you know, Mama usually has this thing that she'll send me. She'll send me a text message in the middle of the school day, and she'll be like, "Remember to do your best and get let God do the rest." And I'm always like, "Mama, that's so cliche." I mean, what's what's your deal, bro? And she's like, "No, you just you just have to think about it. You have to think about that small phrase and the impact that it has. You can only do so much, but God has the rest in His hand." Right, so, you can't control the outcomes. The outcomes are not in your hand. Absolutely. So, well, okay, now that we talk about outcomes and this concept of time, how do we hope in God's timing? Because as you know, Anna, I'm, I'm, so, I'm such an impatient person. I, I hate to admit it, but I am such an impatient person. I was born two months early, you know? And so I definitely think that a lot of us are, are struggling with just hoping in the right time, the, the time that God created for us. But how do we overcome that practicality, you know? I mean, I just want to say you're young, like, I know enjoy it. <laughs> it's okay to be impatient, even like, that's just part of, that's just where you are in life. That's okay. I don't think we have to fix everything. I, you know, okay. um, the only way I know to be patient is to fill my time with something else. I don't really have like a, I'm not good at waiting either, you know? So if you, so just find something good to do in the meantime, really, um, okay. Yeah, like if we're talking back about like college admissions, I remember the week before I got my letter, how completely out of my mind I was with worry and anxiety and pacing. And I must have driven my guidance counselor crazy, going down to their office every day, being like, do you think they're going to reject me? Like, I was. So I, you know, I don't think that there's anything that can be said that will change that. And it's okay. It's okay to live the life that you're li- like, it's okay to be you. You don't have to fix everything. Sometimes it's just good to be young and impatient. That's all right. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Okay. I'm going to tell that to my mom whenever she tells me into your mistagada or whatnot. I'm, gonna- <laughs> I'm young. It's part of being young. It's just, that's how the chemicals work. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So there we go. It's okay to be impatient. So how do, well then let, let's backtrack a little bit. If I'm a little bit impatient, right? it can it cannot you know it can be difficult it can be a bad thing sometimes to be you know impatient so how do I still have hope while I am impatient I think that's a better question to ask yeah and I think my answer is the same that you have to fill that time with something else so find something else that you can obsess about in the meantime find a service hmm Sure, Tizbeha, sure, why not? There are, there are some hymns you haven't learned yet. Go learn them. <laughs> yes, I have a whole list up on my wall here. Awesome. So that's, that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. Um, go find a service to run. Go start a podcast. You know? <laughs> right, precisely. Take that, because that energy, and actually that's something that I learned just this year, mm-hmm. is that a lot of times the thing that I mistook for anxiety in my life was just straight energy. You are full of energy and vitality. All you got to do is direct it in a positive way. That impatience is adrenaline that's like ready and can take you so far as long as you just point your running feet in the right direction. Right. Right. Absolutely. The right direction, pointing our feet in the right direction. Well, then I think this is one of a couple of our last questions. Now, if if our feet, if we feel that our feet in the, are in the right direction, but, you know, God steers us in a different direction, how do we not become discouraged or, or lose that hope? 
than something that we had previously hoped it would. Because it's really easy, you know, <laughs> rejection letters, getting rejected from jobs, interviews, you know, it's super easy to get discouraged. How do I still have hope even after getting rejected? I always say you have to feel your feelings. So my advice on that is go talk to God about it. Go complain. Go tell him, why did you do this? You know, I wanted X. Why, why did you make Y happen? And I have never had an experience where God didn't answer or didn't give me peace or didn't redirect or didn't give me that paradigm shift that I needed to understand. You know, it, it, sometimes maybe it'll take a couple months before I realize that, oh, whoa, you like saved me big time. I, I was way wrong. <laughs> right. I can imagine. But my advice is always to feel those feelings, disappointment, regret, anger, whatever it is, just feel that feeling and then immediately give it to God and say, this feeling, this is, this is you tell me how to fix it. Like, I love you, but what you did right now, it upset me. Can you please explain to me how I'm supposed to go on? And he will always answer. He does not hesitate to answer. It's just literally just having a relationship, a conversation with him. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. I think that's something we can all try out. So I think, I think this should be my last question for you. If there's one practical tip or one practical, you know, takeaway that people who are listening to this can take away from having, you know, to have hope, what would you say it would be? So one of the things that really keeps me going when things are um, stressful or painful is to find something that's just for me that is a kind of creative outlet. So it, it really doesn't matter what you're into. Um, if you like to draw, if you like to paint, if you like to write fiction or nonfiction, if you like to journal, whatever it is that's, and make it something physical. You know, like if you like to, to draw, find yourself some paint, and get messy. And, you know, if you like to write, find a really nice journal and buy yourself an expensive pen do something tactile, a garden. That's kind of, that was my 2020 ah, I saw. I yes. saw. pandemic activity. <laughs> Learn a new skill, but something physical, preferably. Um, and that isn't for, it isn't for money. It isn't for social media account necessarily. It isn't for, you know, it's just like that comes out of your desire to exist. Something that reminds you that you're alive and life is beautiful, you know? Right. Yeah, like, I don't know, for me, personally, that's like painting icons. My family, actually, my uncles used to paint icons in, I think it's El Catedral Mur'oseyef al So I definitely can relate to that. And I'm sure everybody who's listening here can definitely, you know, take that into account. So, I mean, we we know, for example, Coptic Oud with his, uh, plays his music. Everyone has something, ex, like something that's, phys- again, the physicality right. of it is important. Um, that Something that, no one can take from you. Like learn a new skill that no one can take from you. It just reminds you that you're alive and all is well. Definitely. Well, I don't think we could have had any more of a fruitful conversation. So thank you so much for being here and talking with us about how to have this hope and tribulation. Um, you definitely are such a beacon of hope. And I'm sure everybody who listened to this podcast will definitely walk away knowing that God has a purpose for them and that there's definitely a reason to hope. So thank you for being here. We hope to have you sometime soon again. You have to you have to come visit LA at least once. 
You're so sweet, Lucy. Yes, I'd love to come. And thank you so much. I'm so honored to have been your first guest. Congratulations. Thank you. And thank you for being here. To our viewers, thank you for listening to Cop the Girl podcast. Tune in next week for our topic. And we'll see you then.